White Sox fans, Alyssa Bergamini, your in-game host for your Chicago White Sox, and you are watching the best podcast on the south side of Chicago, South Burbs Hitman. Make sure you tune in. You're listening to the Ballroom Network. The following program is intended for all audiences. Welcome to the South Burbs Hitmen Podcast with your hosts, Joe Mandel, Stephen Zim Zimmerman, Vinny Parisi, and Chris Gonzalez. We're bringing you the White Sox coverage you need from the perspective of true Southsiders. Grab your Comiskey dog with an ice cold beer and meet us in section 155. Everyone get on your feet for your South Burbs Hitmen. That ball hit deep. Way back. You can hit on the board. Yes. Jimenez in the air. Left field. He's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. Over the head of Jenks. Uribe charges close. Out! And the White Sox have won the World Series. Alexei! Yes! 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 History! A perfect game by Mark Burley and what an unbelievable, unbelievable play by Dwayne Wise. Joseph is on mute as we wait for him to start the intro as the MC of the show. The, the the video just kept playing on my end. I don't know. Can you guys hear me at least? Yes. All right. Well, welcome everybody to South Burbs Hitmen of the show. So good that, you know, it doesn't even need an introduction. No. Um, but welcome to the show. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mandel. I'm joined by my White Sox brothers in arms that hopefully can hear me. Chris Gonzalez and Vinny Parisi. Steven Zim Zimmerman has other plans tonight, but he's with us in spirit. Gentlemen, that's now off to a good start with the Houston Astros. It's been an up and down week for the White Sox. Uh, we end up sweeping the Detroit Tigers, and here we are playing one of the best teams in the American League, if not the best team in the American League. Vinny Parisi, uh, what have you seen so far early in this game? Yeah, um, Johnny Cueto is a great number four, number five starter on a team that has division championship aspirations. There's no doubt about it. Um, a team like the Houston Astros are always going to carve him up early, but he has settled in so far and it's really only two, nothing. This game could all of a sudden, you know, an inning or two could turn and it could go in the White Sox direction quickly. I'm not certain two runs will win it for the Houston Astros, but they've been working counts a little bit more so far this game than we're usually used to seeing, which is nice. But, I mean, the Houston Astros, they're the cream of the crop in the American League, in my opinion. I believe the only team in Major League Baseball better than the Houston Astros are the Los Angeles Dodgers. And, yeah, I mean, Houston's really, really good, guys. 
who were the Dodgers who were dealt a huge blow today, Vinny. Did you hear about this? Certainly did. Walker Buehler is going to miss the rest of the season with a uh, surgery on his elbow. I don't believe it's Tommy John. Nobody used the word Tommy John at all today. They did not. I believe but, they you know, said um, it's elbow I'll surgery. Elbow. Yeah, which will end any guy's season, whether you want to call it Tommy John. I think Tommy John is the removal of a ligament from one part of your body and putting it in your elbow. I believe that's the exact science behind Tommy John. It's similar to like open heart surgery, except on your elbow. And like, you know, that's why it takes so long to recover. But anytime a pitcher hurts his throwing elbow, that's not good news. Hopefully Walker Bueller is in the line of pitchers that recovers nicely from Tommy John. Cause I like that guy Vanderbilt, really good pitcher. Um, the Dodgers are a fun team. We'll see how far they're able to go in the playoffs without him. Yeah, that's uh, you know we we've seen teams come back from big losses like that, and the Dodgers certainly have the talent to do so. So we'll see what they can do. But we have this Houston Astros team on the plate right now, and they are just unbelievable all the way across the board. Uh, just a phenomenal team, as Vinny said earlier, and put on your socks. It's a great measuring stick for this team, Chris Gonzalez. If we get swept by the Houston Astros. What does that mean? And can we at least pull off a split here? Um, Deep breath. Split wise. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to see. I mean, we'll, we'll go definitely go dive into the series and the uh, White Sox weekly part of our show. But um, hey, when you begin off with your rotation of Cueto and then Cease, I mean, it's not a bad shot at splitting at least um, in my eyes. Um, yeah. Like Vinny was saying to lead it off with Cueto. I was, I mean, I remember how wrong I was of Cueto from the beginning. I thought he was going to be a guy that just falls apart. Um, but he completely changed that perspective of what I thought, but it still kind of was in the back of my mind. Like what happens when Cueto does face a elite lineup like the Astros later in the season once everybody in the league has seen him and has done the scouting report on him and start catching up to that velocity and what he's trying to do. Um, but what I like to see is how he started to settle down after that first inning. And it was only two runs could have been a lot worse um, with how things were shaping up there. So I'm glad they got out of it. And hopefully tonight you can, you know, like I said in the, um, the tweet on Twitter just a couple of moments ago, but, Hopefully he rides the ship here, gives us a good quality start, goes deep in the game, and gives the boys a chance to spark because what seems to happen is he doesn't get run support with our offense, um, which is unfortunate because the numbers he's put up has been amazing, especially for a fifth starter in your rotation. Um, but, yeah, Joe, to split the series. And, I mean, if they don't split, if they lose a series, it's just one series to me. Um Still got a lot of games left here and a tight window here to for me it's actually I think the series that's most important is on the back half of the week versus the Guardians. To me that's a lot for bigger sure. than the the Houston series. Um but I mean I just it just also irks me that we don't get to face a elite team like Houston with the continuity of our core. I feel like we're always missing a big bat versus them, like Robert. Um, Tim Anderson and, <laughs> and Tim Anderson. Yeah, that's two big bets right there. Well, that's a perfect um, segue for yeah. me, Gonzo. Um, Tim Anderson. That's what I wanted to get to next. Is you know, since we were here last time, you know, Timmy magically disappeared out of the lineup, and then we find out he's out four to most likely six weeks with a torn ligament in his hand. 
Um, you know, it's a, such an unfortunate bounce for this team. It just seems like when we finally get a little bit of momentum, we get everything crashing down on us. You know, you, we have to wonder, is there someone with a voodoo doll out there just with every single White Sox player just waiting for when it's time to strike? Uh, Vinny, is this something in the offseason? And, and I know a lot of people feel really strongly about this. Do we need to look at the training staff? Do we need to look at everybody that's in that clubhouse in terms of, like, medical staff? I mean, you think back to the days of Herm Schneider. How many times did we have guys out for the year? I mean, Herm – credit to him he, he he was pretty healthy clubhouse while he was here does something have to be done with the training staff i mean yeah it's probably going to be closer to six weeks for anderson because he did end up having the surgery so that's a huge blow um but when i think about things that happened to the players that have gotten hurt over the last however many years uh no I, like get rid of the whole training staff for voodoo or whatever fine go for it but, like, Tim Anderson checked his swing. What is a new training staff going to do? Okay. Robert hurt himself running to first base. Like, one, it was last year, he hurt himself running to first base. Like, what's a training staff going to do? Tell him to run slower. Then I'm going to shit on the entire coaching staff for having their guys give half ass effort every week. Um, how did Eloy hurt himself? He karate chopped a wall one time. He dangled his, uh, uh, you know, arm from a wall one time. He jumped into a fence that landed in a seat. Like these are not like none of these things are things that train. It's not like guys are like, I mean, some of the hamstring issues, I guess you can say, but none of those are like the devastating kinds of injuries that, you know, take guys out for a season at a time. I mean, yeah. Does it suck to lose someone like Yasmani Grandal or Yohan Moncada for two to three weeks? Yeah, it does. But like this, it's the ones that are like long-term that are all just kind of like freak of nature stuff. And then you got to start like, if it continuously happens to players over and over again, I think you got to look more at the players than you do the training staff. Sure. Like, why is this player so fragile? What is going on? Is he not training the right way? Is you know he not eating the right way? Is there a certain way he needs to change his game so that he stays healthy? Like, did anybody blame the Chicago Bulls for Derrick Rose tearing his ACL in back-to-back seasons, one on each leg? No. Nope. Okay, you know that's not the training staff fault. That's Derrick Rose having you know thin, tight ligaments in his knee. And that's, you know, sometimes people hit the genetic lottery where they're able to play a thousand games in a row and, you know, stuff like that. Some guys get hurt more often than others. So to answer your question, no, I don't think the White Sox training staff is the reason for all these injuries over the last three years. But also, I'm not opposed to making a change with pretty much anything in the organization at this point. Yeah, uh, something's got to give somewhere, but I, I agree with you. The training, it's across baseball. It's not just with the White Sox. You're seeing guys get hurt. You know, it's, it's short springs. The the lockout's messing with people. You know, there's, there's going to be even more lockout talk about how much it messed up the playoff schedule. I don't know if you guys saw all that come out today about how, like, the triple days and how teams are just going to be absolutely exhausted during the playoffs. But, I mean, I guess that's what you're there to do, but – the lockout is raining terror across this league. It's not just the White Sox. It's just unfortunate that we are one of the teams that's kind of bearing the brunt of it. But we'll continue on past our injury talk and move on to what Gonzo was talking about a little bit, about how these bats have been ice cold. Um, you know, the inconsistency is the most frustrating thing. There's only one player, and I think we could probably all feel pretty comfortable saying that there's – one, maybe two players that have been incredibly consistent all year long offensively. Andrew Vaughn 
and Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson when he's been healthy. Is there anyone else outside of those three guys that you can say has been consistent offensively all year long? Who were the three you said? Uh, Vaughn, Jose Abreu, and Tim Anderson when he was healthy. Uh, I would put Robert in there too. Robert, for the most part, has had a good offensive Yeah, season. that's true. When he, when he's, he, when he he's needs to add more power. He needs to add more power. So does Andrew Vaughn. But it's not that they need to add more power. They need to have that in their um, – what's it called? But, yeah, Gonzo can answer it first. Go ahead, bud. Gonzo, real quick before. Slugging, Vinny? Slugging. Maybe is what you're going at there. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. And that, to me, is part of their <laughs> philosophy more than anything. Which crazily, yeah. Vaughn's slugging percentage is higher than Abreu's. It is. It is. He leads the team. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, and Gonzo, and one thing about this ice cold team that I want to just mention before you answer, they are horrendous with runners in scoring position. Um, just what do we do about it, Gonzo? I mean, what what's wrong? What's wrong with these guys? You know, I, I didn't – I remember during the Burger interview, I asked him about the was it Chris Johnson and Frank Manchiato. Hitting coaches in the AAA and double and major yeah. leagues. Yeah, I just want to see his overall, you know, breakdown of what it was like in AAA versus the, you know the pro level. Um, and his answer, I mean, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I I kind of did answer it for him when I talked about continuity or the continuity between the two of them. Um, he, he said he did feel better when he was down in AAA versus at the pro level. And it's not just him. I mean, he saw it in Sheets, you know, and other players of ours. Um, it would have been nice if there was a shakeup of a new pitching coach. Um, just because – You mean hitting I mean, you coach? Can't, or sorry, yeah, hitting coach. Yeah, not pitching coach, my bad. Um, hitting coach because – I mean, yeah, you can't blame Frank for the performance of the players necessarily, but you can give him blame for the approach – you certainly um, can, play. yeah. Because you can see across the team, just ask the question, what is the approach? Because I have no clue what it is. And you, you watch all the games, and you just see, like, even the first inning. Um, I think it was Eloy. Eloy had a full count, and he chases that slider away. I mean, you know it's coming. It's in your scouting report. Um, it just you get, We have to have better at-bats at the plate gotta go deeper in these counts you can't just start chasing after that first hittable pitch yeah we've seen it too often we, we see all these right-handed pitchers go up against us some of them are rookies and they just have the, the uttermost Cy Young caliber performances against us and it's just always we just are, are chasing after everything and um, we're not bailing in the counts and it's absolutely pathetic and um, I wanted to go back and look at a stat for a second. Um, if Vinny wants to go ahead and talk. Yeah, I looked it up. It. I looked it up. The White Sox are 13th in the MLB in man games lost. And if you were to ask a White Sox fan where they think the White Sox rank in that, they would all guess they ranked first, but they rank 13th. Every team in the league deals with injuries. Every team as guys gets hurt. Every team has consequential players get hurt. The Los Angeles Dodgers lost their ace, and they're still going to win 110 games, you know, and yeah. potentially win the World Series. If the White Sox lost Dylan Cease for the season, they'd crumble oh, in, dead. The hell. Dead yeah. in the hell. Yeah. Like, it, so it, it's 
and so I just wanted to like end my portion on that because I looked it up while you were talking about offense. In terms of offense, Eloy chasing sliders, that's an Eloy thing. He does that. Um, I, I do think Frank Menachino has caused problems for the White Sox guys who were winning silver sluggers uh, way back in 2020. I know way back. It seems so long. But, you know, <laughs> Eloy, Abreu, um, you know, Grandal was outstanding for a while there. And uh, we know how good Moncada was in 2019. Nobody suffered from Menachino more than Moncada. But um, I, yeah, I don't without. know. It seems like their philosophy is to hit lots of base hits. They lead the league in base hits. And they have guys who prior to this kind of little Tony La Russa era, and I'm not blaming Tony for this, but it's like this era, they have guys who have shown power up until it, and they need to hit more home runs. Yeah. I, I think contact as a whole is – it's just weaker. They, they, they feel like they're – it almost feels like they're playing small ball without getting guys on base, if that makes any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing, when the White Sox played small ball in 2005, they had six guys who went up there approaching it like small ball every single time they're at bat. They had one guy who was smart enough to decide when it was time to go for power and when it was time for uh, uh, contact. And then they had Jermaine Dye and Paul Konerko aim for power every single time. The one I'm talking about that kind of picked and choose picks and chooses when he went for power and went for contact was AJ Pierzynski. And then Sednik, Iguchi, um, Uribe, Uribe, Carl Everett, all those guys were like, I'm going to go up there and hit a base hit every single time. I'm trying to think. Oh, Joe Creedy. Joe Creedy was the third baseman. Aaron Rowan. Um, You know, so those guys, and unless it was the playoffs, Jeff Blum, sorry Astros fans, you're going to win this series, but we took that one. Yeah, it's it's, it's frustrating to say the least, and I, I don't see any way Mikeino survives, especially if this team gets swept by the Astros. But as as we talked about, guys, I mean, we have a big series after this with the Cleveland Guardians. No one's pulling away in this division. Um, it's really sad to say that, like. Is it bad that as a White Sox fan, I just kind of wish that they went one way or the other, like totally shit the bed or be good? I don't want like mediocrity and sneak into the playoffs and get swept in the first round, just like we did last year. I kind of wish they would just magically either be bad or be good and nothing in between. And you guys, either one of you can chime in. I would say yes if they had a nice farm system. Their farm system sucks. They're supposed to be winning now. So I'm I'm like in competitive mode. Like I'm looking at the scores right now. The Guardians played a doubleheader. They won the first one, but they're losing the second one, and it looks like they're going to lose the second one. The Minnesota Twins are – they just took the lead over the Kansas City Royals. That's annoying. But, like, this is still one of the five best White Sox teams record-wise in my lifetime, and that is, like, the most outrageous thing that we could possibly think of. And, oh, man, I want to win. That Yeah, I want to win. I mean, how many games, Gonzo, does it take to win this division right now, this dumpster fire of a division? Gosh, right now? You mean the record-wise or? Yeah, like what record is going to win this division? I have a number. I've been seeing 85 to 80, in between 83 and 85 wins. Um, which is very doable if 
the talent actually produces. And it's not even just – it's really just the offense because the pitching staff is keeping you in these games. It's really just that offense as soon as they start clicking. And to go um, with what I was talking about, where I last left off, I can't find the exact tweet, but I can summarize it. Um, it was when the White Sox have runners at uh, first and third, it was either with two outs or less than two outs. And your most productive hitters the second half, it was the top three breakdown, and it, it went Jose Mancada Harrison, which has kind of been crazy with second half production. Pollock is up there as well, but the three hitters, their ratio was Jose number one. He was one for 16 and converting there. And then Mancada was one for 12. And I think Harrison was one for nine or something along those ratio lines. But then itself is just kind of unbearable, um, especially when you, with your man leader at the top with Jose. That's a guy in the last six years. I mean, he proved it with his 30 plus, you know, in each of those seasons going 30, at least 30 home runs and 100 ribbies. He's the guy that was converting in those situations with runners in scoring position, doing whatever he had to do, shorten the barrel, whatever he had to do to convert that, slap it the other way. He was mm-hmm. able to do it and convert. And the fact that he's not doing that this season, that's a statistic right now. And his numbers right now that is decreasing for this season, which is hard to bear because this is a season that like Han said from beginning is your championship roster and you need to start producing as your leaders on this ball club. Yeah. I mean, look, look at this team's lack of production with men on base and look at a guy who was on the show with us, who's sitting in the minors swinging a hot stick. Why is Jake Berger not in this lineup right now when they are struggling? Jake Berger should be on this team, whether it's at DH or third base or sticking him in at second. I know Moncada needs to play. I'm not saying to, to bench Moncada, but Jake Berger needs to be on this roster right now. Am I insane for saying that, Vinny Parisi? You are certainly not. They're a very bad defensive baseball team, and they have corner infielders playing corner outfield, and that's not good. So, like, where does Jake Berger play? Because Andrew Vaughn should be the designated hitter. I'd rather I'd rather Vaughn play the outfield, even though he's very bad at it, to get Jake Berger in the lineup. Because um, one thing I respect about Andrew Vaughn is he he tries, he gives it his all, and he makes a diving catch every now and then, but like it's typically a play that has a low expected batting average and like a good outfielder. A good outfielder anything. would not have Dovin for it. Dovin, is that a word? But like, uh, yeah, I, I Gonzo made a great point. Like their offense is bad. It's not the pitching. Like Cueto just got out of a bases loaded gym against the Houston Astros. Okay, Houston Astros one through eight. The only bad hitter they put in their lineup regularly is Maldonado, and they got an offensive kind of catcher to like put in when they need to in Vasquez or Velasquez. I don't, is it Va- Christian Vasquez? Vasquez. And, yeah. and you know, so they solved that problem. And they put Trey Mancini in their lineup because, like, why not? So getting through a lineup like that after he's going to have a quality start if he gets through one more inning. I think he probably will go through one more inning. If he goes through without giving a run, it'll be a quality start after giving up two in the first inning. And the two in the first inning, only one of the runs was his fault because Josh Harrison made an error. So, you know, the pitching's been outstanding. The offense sucks. Um, they They were good against Detroit, but, like, who isn't? 
Detroit might right. be the worst team in the league. I don't even care if they finish with the worst record. I think they're the worst team in the league. There might be teams that finish with worse records, but man, they just suck. And a lot of it does have to do with injuries, like their entire starting lineup or their entire starting rotation has dealt with like multiple game stretches without, you know, guys who just absolutely should not be pitching. But Detroit is just, they're still a major league baseball team and everybody should be happy they swept them because we saw the Kansas City Royals host the White Sox last week and take three or four from them, although the Royals, they're what Detroit should have been this year, like a team on the come up, this young rookie's playing well. Like, I don't know. I just think I th- I can't believe and or Jake Berger's not called up yet. I think I think uh well Robert brings up a great point here. Burgermeister should be playing Ask LaRusa. I would like to ask LaRusa because part of me the only reason I wonder if he has anything to do with it is Ashlyn liking the tweet. Like what is like does that mean that LaRusa doesn't want him up because he's not going to play him. He wants Lenin Sosa instead, who sucks at shortstop defensively right now. I don't know. I, the whole thing is just wild to me. Well, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to cause a ruckus on the air, but if you look back at one of our put on your socks the other day, uh, somebody liked it. That's all I'm going to say. And uh, it, it might speak volumes to the situation, but Jake should be up. I think we all feel aligned about that. And, um, you know, I know he's getting every day at bats down there, but he's getting hotter and hotter. Bring the guy up. I mean, he did nothing but save your team while he was up here before. Then he gets a bruise on his hand and you shut him off. I know he got up. I think he might have had COVID or something, but either way, he's back. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, with this situation, I don't think it's a Tony thing because Tony, like, hardly plays Soto or Sosa before the TA injury when he had his opportunities. Um, and he's struggling at the plate, so I don't know why Han has made that move to switch Berger and Sosa around. Um, but then again, you do that, then Lori's going to be playing shortstop all the time, so it's like pick your battle on which one you want to see. Um, I'd rather have, in this situation, um, bring up Jose Rodriguez, give him a shot. I mean, you got you have a couple of shortstops that have opportunity to produce. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to see Berger up. Um, who are you going to, are you, cause then you have to play the, the, the game of the options on these guys. So are you going to send sheets down for Berger then, or gosh, maybe Ingle? I don't know what, how you want to play it. I haven't seen too much of Ingle besides some, you know, replacement, um, substitutions late in games. Um, and at the moment sheets only, I think he gets two starts a week at the moment with some pinch hit opportunities. Well, it's because nobody's consistent at all. I mean, right. And Jake, Jake Berger was consistent. He, he had power. What was Jake hitting when he was up around 265, 270, if I had to guess? I'd have to pull up the stats. But that's what I'm getting to is, I mean, there's no consistency. I'm saying from the other guys, not Berger, but I mean, that's a bet. Berger's a bet you need. It's just what's the game of options are you going to use to bring him up? And I like the thought you had there, Joe. I think it was Joe. I can't, it was either you or Vinny there that mentioned playing him at third base. Um, Mankata hasn't had any pressure to this te- point of his tenure with the Sox with guys coming up from beneath him to have a shot at his job at third base. And I love competition. I mean, if that's what it's going to take for him to turn it around, so be it. 
I mean, this is the window where you need to win, and I don't care where it's going to come from. As much as I love Johan Mankata, I need the best roster available right now playing, or the best or the, the, the best guys in the field playing and producing at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, what does this team lack, guys? This team lacks the deep ball. Jaeger's going to hit some bombs. And I'm not going to score off with hitting singles. You're going to have to hit home runs. And maybe it's because of the offensive approach. Maybe it's because of whatever reasoning. But I think we all agree we need some Burgermeister in this lineup right now. And I need a shot of Jaegermeister thinking about it. There's one thing to think about, too, that kind of just hit me now. It's August 15th. Rosters expand in 16 days. So, like, wait for Tim to come back or keep the shortstop up and let Jake stay hot and feel good in uh, AAA and hope that on September 1st, when you're allowed to expand the roster, you're still in the race, I guess. Yeah. 16 days. It's, it's a crucial stretch, though. It's a, that's a huge gamble. It is. It's absolutely a huge gamble, but you can't have only Leary Garcia on the roster that can play shortstop. Mendick's out for the year. Uh, Leary sucks. Anderson's out for six weeks. Like shortstop is just not a strength right now, and it should be. I do gotta say though. I mean, Mancada's been. I, don't, I hate saying the word elite, but with the glove lately, he's been pretty damn f- unbelievable. Um, but at the same time. Berger, his natural position is third base. Um, and I know they were giving they they moved him in the beginning out of position to second base because of the need at second base. But now I don't think it's a bad idea to bring him back to third base. And the only reason, the only way he's going to prove himself is to get the opportunity to prove himself. Yeah, he looked shaky earlier in the year. We brought that up in the interview, or at least I did. Um, but again. I know what he did with the bet, and I know what he can do. You know, I'm sure with the work he's going to put in with the glove that he can prove himself, and I don't think it would be a defense defensive liability in the end as long as he's getting those reps to prove it. Yeah. Um, we just got to see, guys. Uh, this is frustrating, you know. As I, like I said before, I think sometimes I'd wish, I wish they just finally decided they were going to suck instead of hanging around in mediocrity, but, you know, maybe they'll figure it out. I don't know. Um, one thing that has been floating around the internet that I have to ask you guys about, and Vinny, I'll bring this to you. Uh, the Marlins released Billy Hamilton. White Sox Twitter has been going crazy to bring him back. Um, Danny, <laughs> Adam Engel has been kind of disappearing. The outfield has been crazy. We don't really have anybody that's crazy fast on this team. I mean, I could see them adding him for like a September call-up. Do you see this being a possibility, Vinny? Uh, it could be a possibility. I hate that like that's people's idea of the savior of the season. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Billy Billy the, the hitter, Billy the hitter, remember? But like uh, I listen, nobody can underestimate the power of positive vibes, right? You feel good, you play good. So sure. from that point of view, I'm like, you know, what what can it hurt? Okay, will it make Jose Abreu smile a little bit more? Will it make Yohan Mankato a little looser? What would it do for a guy like Josh Harrison, who has also kind of got like a motor in similar to Billy Hamilton? 
Billy Hamilton provided some of the most fire intense moments for the White Sox last season. I remember definitely. My, my dad is like a medium sports fan. He went banana lands when Billy Hamilton made that catch last year. I remember it. And it was like a rainy game. And when he well, caught it, he like Get slipped all the mud. a little bit. Yeah, it was like a slip and slide. It looked like he was at the Whirlpool. And like it was just so much fun to have Billy. And when he hit the home run against Baltimore and Tim Anderson said, you're not Billy the fielder or Billy the runner, you're Billy the hitter. And it was just so much fun. I love that guy. Do I think he's the savior of this year's team? No, I don't. But at the same time, would I rather watch him go out there and play than Adam Engel at this point? Yeah, I probably would. You know, is he going to be more effective to the team than Sheets? Maybe. It's possible. Um, Andrew Vaughn has to be in the lineup every single day. If it were up to me, he'd be in the middle of it every single day. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of who you would take out. A pinch runner is nice. Uh, hire him as an assistant coach if the vibes are what you're looking for. Like, there you I go. Don't I don't know. Uh, but if Billy Hamilton will make everybody feel better about themselves, perfectly fine with me. Hey, but I think we time, found. Yeah. I think we found the next manager of the White Sox, Vinny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I would sign up for it, but you know me. I know. Well, that's that's a fantastic segue. It's almost like it was planned or something, and we're going to dive into this week's La Russa's Locker. So I think a lot of people in the world would say people that liked the WWF back in the day before it was WWE, they'd probably say the best wrestling match, at least in my opinion, is the Hell in a Cell Undertaker versus Mankind. Everyone knows when he throws him off the top of the cage through the table. And I, re- I promise this is going somewhere. We see that every single week when Gonzo and Vinny go head to head in the Russo's locker debating if Tony is worth it. Or not. I can see Gonzo rolling his eyes already. So, with that reason, we're going to let Go- Vinny go first so that Gonzo can continue to roll his eyes. Uh, the, you can, you guys can decide who's Mankind and who's Undertaker. You can make that decision yourself. But, Vinny, Tony, he's got a, I feel like he was up and down with bullpen management this week. He let his starters do their thing, but there's a lot that I don't like. Uh, you've been as critical as anybody. Uh, as a matter of fact, we put out a whole video that was just basically about shit, <laughs> which, by the way, was a lot of fun to put together. Um, how's Tony doing? Yeah, I actually hate debating Tony LaRusso. This is my least favorite segment by far. It's I'm not sorry. Tony, so sorry. Get rid of it. Um, I can cut like, it if I you want. We can skip it. It's like, rooting, it's like rooting for your pilot to fail. Like, like, no, I don't want my pilot to fail because then my ship sinks. You know, I'll die, right? It's the same thing with the White Sox. The fact that Tony La Russa sucks is messing up my favorite team. Listen, against Detroit, there were some issues. I I literally made a whole list of things wrong with Tony La Russa because I couldn't keep them all straight from last week. Uh, the lineups for the doubleheader were disgusting. Joe Kelly got hurt when they were down one nothing. High leverage situation. Multiple guys that are considered A-plus level bullpen arms for them haven't gone in a couple days because they kept losing. Um, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, guys like that. Who comes in? Jose Ruiz gives up three runs. White Sox lose. 
Leary Garcia was clearly hurt in that game, the first game against uh, the who was it? The doubleheader. It was uh, the Royals, right? It was no, oh. it was Detroit the first time around. Leary Garcia still hurt. Someone else tweaks their something, and you know they come out right away, no questions asked. You know they got to they got to get reevaluated. Leary Garcia is clearly limping around. He's got to play though. He's Tony's guy. Okay, Johnny Cueto, the situation where he said he doesn't understand the fire in the team. And then Tony LaRussa comes in and says he doesn't understand Johnny Cueto's comment. And it doesn't that make was much the sense stupidest to him. Thing and then Tony's that ever said. exact game, they had, had the most lifeless corpse of a game you could ever ask for. And Steve Stone made a great point right after that game ended. Hustling is optional. That is a indictment to one person one person only honestly i i hate what this has become i truly do i wish i wish we had you know the cleveland guardians where everybody loved tito francona right or like you know there are some dodgers fans that hate dave roberts but like those people are dumb you know with that team you just need a guy to like put everybody in their place but i mean yeah this is bad yeah uh i'll let before gonzo goes I, i have to touch on tony's comments about johnny cueto Johnny Cueto is everything that this White Sox team needs right now. It's the fire. It's the leadership. It's the presence in the clubhouse. You come out and you try to light a fire under everyone's ass. Then your manager comes out and says he doesn't see it. Tony La Russa, you're a fucking idiot. I'll never say that ever again on the air, and I apologize, but I'm pissed off. That comment really threw me the other day. And Tony, I'm done. That when you threw your player under the bus, the only person with any life that entire game, it just pissed me off. So and viewers, then the next I'm day, sorry, I don't swear on the show. And then the next day, Andrew Vaughn comes out and says, "Well, we need a fire under our, you know what?" So I brought it today. Like, why didn't Tony? What, what what's wrong with Andrew's comment? He agreed with Cueto a day later after you already questioned it. Like, uh, I, I hate the whole thing. I just hate it. I don't know, Gonzo. We'll let you go, but I'm I'm pissed off at Tony. I mean, it's a everyone has their own opinion on that situation. I mean, if if the What's culture is to keep it if the culture is to keep it in the house, then keep it in the house. And the players should already know that. I mean, we already saw what happened last year with your the your mean situation and the immaturity of your mean, but to go past the culture and to do what he did ahead of the fact, we saw how that ended. Um, and now look where your mean is. But Tony, um, Tony's the one that didn't keep it in the house with the your mean situation. He talked. Yeah, Tony went against Minnesota. his own rule. He went against his own rule in that situation. But that was a different situation. He, he gave him a sign to not swing. And he, what did he do? Did he, did not follow with that command and was I just went with I just don't see any scenario where you run. can defend Tony in this instance. Like this team is as lifeless, you know. But again, as anything I've ever that, seen. I'm I can't put accountability in that situation because I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't know what the standard is in the clubhouse, so I can't have judgment. It's in that lackluster play. I don't. I'm I'm just not gonna be skeptical on the fan side of it if I don't know what is the standard in the clubhouse. Um, I think I agree with however, his mom. She's a smart lady. Um, to go 
to put that aside with the whole Cueto situation, um, <clears throat> I would start with this. Our bullpen right now in war is top 10 in Major League Baseball. Even with Ruiz being terrible? Yes. Um, And this is why I bring it up, because we were talking about it in the uh, chat with the the Juke Joint chat, Um, because Eric brought that statistic up. Shout out to those guys. Great show. Yeah. And that kind of changed a lot of our minds. Um, And I had to expand on that, because I'm like, all right, if you guys understand what this pitching staff, which this is the difference between last year and this year, is the pitching staff, or pitching staff, pitching staff being healthy last year, not this year. Um, so for the fact that Tony had to deal with, well, I, I brought this up before, but with the starting pitchers up until, what was that, mid to like two-thirds of the way through June, that the starting rotation innings-wise was the least in baseball, so that means you had to get more outs on your bullpen to go with the injuries and, you know, you know, to go with the daily availability of pitchers that Tony has under his belt. It's kind of bizarre, it, not bizarre, but, but, but it's easy to think about that. That's a top 10 bullpen. But I mean, but Gonzo pitching is not the problem with this team. We've had some bad performances, but this offense but no, is what the I'm problem. Saying, Joe, what I'm saying, Joe, giving you that stat is bullpen management, which this guy below me crucifies Tony on Twitter for bullpen management. But he well, has because he brought 10. in, instead of using the guys that make them have that top 10 war, he brings in Jose Ruiz in a high leverage situation. It's the whole bullpen. Like, just imagine if he was actually if, using these guys the right if way. If Ruiz was removed, it would be a top five war in bullpen. The bullpen together is top 10 in baseball. I get it. So... And to get there, you have to use in the right situations. You're going off that Ruiz situation, but Joe Kelly was the one that blew that to begin with, if you want to go back and look at it, um, which I did because I saw the tweet and I knew where this was going to begin with. But, I mean, you can go through that list. I've seen the same games. So that's just one thing. I already gave the tweet out. No, not the tweet, but the point earlier in the show with the offense. That's just one aspect of the offense to go with the dynamic bats. And at the end of the day, the offense, you have to give the team the lead for the pitching staff to close it down. And we haven't seen that enough this season. It'd make yeah, Tony's job, it would make Tony's job a whole lot easier if, the, if he had a lead later in the game. And that goes with your pitching, your pitchers. These pitchers are asked to go to grab a few more extra outs than normal. Or not normal, but more than you'd like them to. Because there's a lot of situations where, like, why doesn't he go to a reliever here? And it's because he needs to go. He, he needs to have these starting pitchers eat more outs, so it's less outs for the bullpen to cover, and you have to do so without a lead. So that requires I get, you I, to sometimes have to go back to back with your most prompt. Well, you want to say your setup guys, but at the same time, it's like what Joe Kelly is that you know situation is contract where you can't go back to back or whatever, but That's it's so situations true. where you don't want to use your setup guys until you have a lead, but you just man it sucks because like it's early in the seasons, earlier in the, some of these series where 
you want to use your setup guys, but it's like, we're, we're probably going to need our setup guys for the next day or the day after. And that's why you, in these situations, you want your pitchers to go the extra mile to get an, a couple more outs when they're more incapable of, because a lot of these situations, they're at like 80 pitches to go into that last inning or what you think is going to be the last inning. So I don't blame him on the majority of what I see in the bullpen side of it. The offensive side of it, gosh, if I was a manager and have to deal with this situation. Am I back? I don't know what I would even do. All right. Am I well, here alone? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm back now. I, I I wasn't sure if it was me that was frozen or if it was Gonzo. I think it's Gonzo. Well, yeah, I don't know where anyway. I left off there because I saw I saw some spinning wheels. I'm like, I'll just talk because I don't know if I was actually in the the production there for a second. For me, a good manager would have recognized that Ruiz was not the guy in that situation. The bullpen management has not been the biggest problem so far this season. If we're looking back at Tony LaRusa's last week and how he did, that was one of his many mistakes that he made. But that situation, all right, it was a tied game at one. Joe Kelly blew two runs. So it was seven to three games. So who do you want to bring in the seventh inning of a seven when you're down two? You were tied going into the inning. We're thinking of a different game then. They were losing one nothing, And Joe Kelly came in to try and preserve a one nothing lead. He got hurt. And then Ruiz came in and let them blow it open. And the White Sox in the bottom of the inning scored a couple runs, which you would think would have been the runs that put them ahead. But instead, it didn't even tie the score. Yeah. Uh, you know, the bullpen management. I feel like with as good as the bullpen has been, like Gonzo said, top 10, if they was managed correctly, they would be, as Vinny said, top five. I, I fully agree with that. They also have but, Liam Hendricks, who skews the war in such a way. Like he went 14 straight starts without giving up a run and only one hit over those 14 starts or saves, excuse me, or I don't even know if they were saves, appearances. Like Liam Hendricks skews the war, and and I'm not ripping on the bullpen. The bullpen management has been the least of the worries. The pitching has been the least of the worries. But in that game, in my opinion, that was a mistake to bring in Ruiz. Yep, and it was a dud of a move. And let's focus on this week's Adam Dud of the week. You suck. You suck. Suck. Stupid. Lousy. No excuse. What a dud. What a total, total dud. What a segue that was. I pulled that one right out of my butt. You like that, Vinny? Yeah, that was an outstanding segue. I, You know, sometimes I see, like, the warning to, like, set up a certain thing way after you already do it. And I was like, oh, all right. Adam Dud of the it's Week. It's all good. It's all good. I just uh, – I just – you set me up and I – you, 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 what's it called? You, you said it, I spiked it. Uh, but there's been a lot of duds on the team this week. There's been a lot of the opposite, which we'll get to after this segment. 
Um, but I'm curious, Gonzo, we can start with you because uh, I'm just curious who you think had a really bad week. I know there's a handful of guys to choose from. Uh, who is your dud of the week? Oh, man. This is tough. I want to go with There's a lot Grandal. to choose from. I want to go with Grandal here. Really? Yeah, because I haven't seen enough out of Grandal, and especially when you're going to trade. And we go back to the whole McGuire situation, which you got back a good, you know, Arm and Deekman, but you're giving up that defensive part of the game, and now you have to rely on Grandal more. And when you're getting paid that contract and you're supposed to be coming back healthy here, I'm hoping to see more on base percentage from Yasmani Grandal and not really the more on base, but the part of the game that we want is the offensive bat and his slugging percentage, which we haven't seen a home run from him. I think since May, I believe it is. Um, no, he had one this week. Did he? Did I miss that one? Yeah, he had one this week. I'm trying to remember. What, what was that, the Royals? Grandal home run? Grandal hit a yeah. home run against the Royals. Yeah. So I missed that one. Okay. Sorry, I thought I saw a tweet that said that he hasn't hit a home run since, like, May. Well, maybe before you probably, that. You, but... prob- you probably saw it, like, when he hit the home run. Like, it was his first since May 14th, I want to say, or May 17th. Yeah. Something like that. Okay, that could probably be true. But yeah, I just need to see more out of Grandal than even just one home run. Like we need a spark out of that offense, especially from the lefties. So between Mancada and Grandal, I need to see more from them. Um, I, I'm just gonna put both of them together, even though Grandal or not Grandal, Mancada with his glove has been nice. At the same time, there's even. Yeah, we lost you again, Gonzo. But in situations uh, where. You broke up. You broke up again, there, buddy. I don't know if you can hear me, but yeah, yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but yeah, like I said, he makes a good. He, he makes a great play with the glove, and then because of the speed on those situations, he rushes the throw and throws it away. Um, so between the defense and the bats, I need to see more from our two lefties that are getting paid ten plus million each. Yeah, Vinny, who you got for your dud of the week? Ah, uh, Yon Mankata, he sucks. Um, he's really good defensively. That's nice. Um, I think Jake Berger is also sucks defensively, but I think Mankata sucks as hitting worse than Jake does at playing third base. Yeah. Six strikeouts for Mankata this week. I mean, and I don't know what the H is wrong with him. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know if it's Frank Menachino. I don't know if it's Tony LaRussa. I don't know if it's just him not giving a crap. I, and listen, I have a Mankata jersey. I bought the two players. I specifically went out of my way to spend my hard-earned money on jerseys of guys that were traded for Chris Sale. I wanted them to succeed so bad. So far, Mankata has not. And I believe, listen, you watch him play and you're like, how does that guy suck? He looks like a sick baseball player out there. His swing is perfect. He, he fields so effortlessly. And, you know, he's just a beautiful baseball player in every way. And it grinds my gears to watch him suck so bad with the bat. And then he'll hit one to Pluto, and the, the swing is just so majestic. And it's literally like baseball porn. Like watching Yohan Moncada highlights is insane. It is so beautiful. It is spectacular. 
And then you watch like the duds and like, man, he just sucks. I'm not out on him. I'm not out on him. When we finally get robot umps, I think his batting at, or his on base percentage will increase a little bit because he sucks at protecting the plate. But you're not going to yeah. need to protect the plate if we ever really get robot umpires because the right calls are going to be the right calls. But, you know, he is he just doesn't swing with two strikes and it just grinds my gears. I, I've never seen a more talented baseball player go up there guessing more than Yoan Moncada. Okay. Abreu yeah. makes adjustments. Grandal, when he's on fire, it makes adjustments. Eloy makes adjustments, except for sliders away. Um, Tim Anderson is C-ball, hit-ball. He doesn't go up there thinking about if it's going to be a strikeout. Or, and I know this for a fact. He goes up there not wondering if it's going to be a slider or a changeup. He just tries to hit the ball that he sees. Mankata goes up there, and he guesses whether or not it is going to be a breaking ball or a fastball, and he makes up his mind if he's going to swing the bat before the ball even comes out of the pitcher's hands and he looks like a fool so often because he can't make any adjustments. It makes me so angry. Yeah, would you say that Mankata's plate, plate approach is a disaster personnel? It's a disaster personnel. I listened to that song, by the way. It came on my phone. I will say, though, we need to send a memo to Mankata to keep it with the white spikes because when he wore the white spikes the other day, he went two for four at the plate with a walk. I don't know. Whatever takes. Up with that, cause whenever he wears the fancy shoes, we all see what happens. And I just need to I, listen. I need the white cleats. I feel like there's something there to it. And I, would, I need to see more from those white cleats. There you go. Maybe that's what it is. So my disaster, my, dis- oh, my disaster personnel, my, uh, my Adam Dud of the week. Maybe we can change the name of the segment now if my Kata continues this rate. Um, but it is the Adam Dud of the week. I'm going to go with Johnny, J- Johnny, Jimmy, J- Jimmy Lambert. Uh, he had a rough week. He had two two innings pitched. He gave up four earned runs, um, four hits. He walked two guys. I mean, he did have five strikeouts, but dealing with an 18 ERA, uh, just not getting than, it done. Uh, I thought Jimmy pitched more than two innings because he had that two-inning performance with four strikeouts. I just did the last yeah, seven days. So I filtered by the last seven days. So uh, maybe so that was that. eight days ago. No, that was uh, although technically this show is covering two weeks since we weren't off, we were off last week, but nonetheless, uh, you know, Jimmy just wasn't getting it done. I mean, he's been he's been pretty good for the most part since he's been up, but uh, you know, just uh, not getting it done this last seven days. So that's my nomination, but the five strikeouts is nice. It was uh, yesterday, yesterday, he had a good inning. He struck yeah, out the yeah, side yeah. in an inning yesterday. Four strikeouts in one point. He faced four batters, struck them all out. Yeah, he he made up for. <laughs> he got all his good stats there. Lowered his ERA to eighteen after the, that yesterday for the week. Um, so that's how you know you had a bad start to the week if that's what it takes to get it back down. But I'll give it to him for yesterday. But you know you're playing the Tigers, so take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> But again, I mean, there's still major league players. I don't want to shit on Jimmy Lambert too much. I, I appreciate what he's doing, uh, but he's just my nominee. Uh, Joe Kelly, honorable mention as well. We all know we talked about it already. Don't got to dive more into it. But uh, let's go on the opposite side of the fence because there are quite a few guys that are really starting to put the batting average together, which maybe is pointing us in the right direction. Uh, there's some guys with some pretty good batting averages. Uh, they're getting their RBI totals up. And let's focus on this week's put it on the board. Player of the week. Ball hit deep. Way back. 
I think there's one name that goes above and beyond everybody else this week. I mean, there's quite a bit of guys that did really well, but I don't know if there's anyone more clutch on this team this year than Andrew Vaughn, or as I called him yesterday and put on your socks, Vaughn Burgundy. I think we have to work with that and maybe work it into the rotation because I feel really proud of that one. Um, But, I mean, this guy has been the unsung hero of this team all year long. He forced himself into the lineup. He continues to get it done. Andrew Vaughn is Mr. Clutch. Um, and I, I'm not going to lie. I don't know if anyone – I didn't expect it going into the year, but he hit 333 this week, um, six RBI, two homers. The nice thing that I like is he only had three strikeouts in the week, which is, is pretty good for him. He did get a walk. I like what I'm seeing out of Andrew Vaughn. His slugging percentage, over 600. His OPS, almost 1,000. You got to love what you're seeing out of Andrew Vaughn. And there are guys that had higher batting averages this week, but the guy just gets it done with guys on base lately. I I don't think there's any other choice right now. I mean, we're going to have to talk about some of the other guys, but he is a definition of consistency guys. I hope he's on this team for as long as I can imagine, because this is the kind of guy I want to see playing first base every week. No offense to Jose Abreu, but I think the future is definitely Andrew Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Andrew Vaughn, a batting average is a pretty irrelevant stat these days anyway. Like, I would much rather a guy with a better OPS or, you know, a good slugging percentage any day of the week. Andrew Vaughn was the best hit of the week by far, so I think that was a great pick for you. I want to say he became the first White Sox player um, to have the game-winning RBI in every game of a three-game series since Kevin Euclid in 2012. I forgot about Uke. Yeah, he was on the Sox for a hot minute. Yeah. Uh, the White Sox were trying to make the playoffs that season and choked it away in the final, like, three weeks of the season. They were buyers at the deadline. And, yeah. Yeah, that was his, his – he wrote off into the sunset. Didn't he retire after – or did he, did he go back to the Red Sox for one more year after that? I think I – part he of me thinks – Part of me thinks he had one more year. Or yeah, I can't remember who it was with. Maybe it was it wasn't with us, was it? No, no, it certainly wasn't. He went somewhere after us, but he did also. So the year after us, he also on that second year after us, he started spring training. I think with Boston, the Yankees. He went to the Yankees. Yeah, I think he was of also. Course he did. So yeah, I think he did a year with the like you said the Yankees, and then that he did another. He went to spring camp, I believe, with Boston and then retired. Yeah. But I, I loved it at the time. But, you know, looking back on it, what are you going to do? But, yeah, well, uh, Andrew Vaughn is my pick. I was going to say ahead, it was buddy. amazing that uh, that the White Sox were buyers in that short stint, but can't be buyers at this deadline. But uh, at least buyers that we wanted. But go ahead, Joe. I was going to say just pick someone besides Andrew Vaughn. I just want to. Just want to hear the uh, the thought process for other guys because there are a few guys that are nominees. Yeah, but for me, it's a, it's a, for me it's Vaughn. Um, and for this month of August, in the thirteen games played, he hit three eighty, hit a four twenty six on base percentage, 
and 640 slugging percentage with three home runs and nine ribbies. So that's in the gist of it. That's the two weeks that we've <laughs> we didn't go with the show. Well, basically, you so. you won. We'll talk about that later on. But obviously, mm-hmm. Vaughn's a good choice. But but Vinny, if you had to pick somebody that wasn't Andrew Vaughn for this week, who's your put it on the board player of the week? Because there are some guys yeah. that are that are tearing it up. Yeah, there are some guys that are tearing it up. I think Eloy Jimenez has been outstanding. I'm not going to pick him just because I, w- I want to touch on someone else. But like Eloy, I, I was like kind of thinking about trading him. When he's healthy, he's as good as Andrew Vaughn hitting, if not better. Like he is a game breaking type of hitter. And they he need is. I would not trade. They're not going to get much value for him because of the injury history. So you keep him and let him get back to being that all world type of hitter. That's just my opinion on Eloy. But the guy I'm actually going to pick is Mr. Dylan Cease. I mean, Dylan Cease is having as good of a season in a White Sox uniform as we have ever seen from a starting pitcher. Chris Sale had two or three years where he was in the Cy Young conversation. Corey Kluber came in and stole it from him twice, two straight Septembers. Once was with the Red Sox. But, um, I mean, it is just unreal how good Dylan Cease is. And he's even better than I thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be great. He had all the tools when he was in the Cubs organization. And then I like the fact that he might win a Cy Young in a White Sox uniform would literally make me cringe if I was a Cubs fan. Uh, right now, I have him slightly <laughs> in second because of numbers and the story behind Verlander. Not saying how I would vote. I would vote for Dylan Cease. I'm trying to think the way those guys think that vote. And Verlander has the comeback player of the year nonsense, and his ERA is a little lower. Cease has all these like crazy stats on his side of like what's what have you done for me recently kind of thing. But like the last time Dylan Cease had a start where he gave up more than one run, the Golden State Warriors defeated the Dallas Mavericks in game four of the NBA's Western Conference Finals. It wasn't even the NBA Finals yet. It was the Western Conference Finals. That is unbelievable. What was going on in hockey during the NBA's Eastern Con- I think it was the second round still because the NBA was like, think about the NHL second round. Like that, like that was a long time ago that Dylan Cease gave up more than one run. And tomorrow, I know we're going to preview it later, but man, Dylan Cease versus Justin Verlander. I don't know if the top two guys in the Cy Young race have ever faced off, at least in recent memory. I think there was a time DeGrom faced Scherzer when they were duking it out for the National League uh, Cy Young Award in 2019. But man, oh man, am I excited to have Dylan Cease play baseball for the White Sox. And guess what? If he gives up more than one run tomorrow, even if he has like a mediocre start tomorrow against this really, really good Houston Astros team, that's not going to take away any way that I feel about Dylan. He is having one believable year. His slider is unlike anything I've ever seen. I honestly, in in a White Sox uniform, I know Chris Sale had a really good one too, but Chris Sale had like the sidearm motion type of slider from the left side, so that fooled right-handed hitters. Like what Cease is doing as a right-handed pitcher is just unbelievable to me. I'm so happy, and he is my put-it-on-the-board player of the week. To go off of what Vinny said with the slider, we need to have Eric on from the Juke Joint. He's their numbers guy, and he's really amazing with it. Because uh, he brought up to me the metrics with his pitches right now. I think the fastball is at a negative one, and the I believe knuckle curve is at a negative three, but that slider is at like a plus 23. 
with on the metric well, side of sliders, it. It's ridiculous shows, right now. Shows how ridiculous that slider is with his pitches, and that's why it's probably the best slider in the game if you're going to look at the metric metric side of it. Um, and that's just it's amazing to see with that progression because that slider is a lot better than what, what we've seen out of it. Um, and that's why, like, I, I, I mean, I did say earlier in the spring that I foresaw like that he would be our ace, but I didn't think he'd be Cy Young caliber, at least on the side yeah. of the off speed and how great that off speed is. It just goes beyond what I even could, could have thought of, to be honest with you. Yeah, and, and also honorable mention here to Michael Kopech as well. He dominated the other day, six innings pitched, zero hits. He did walk three guys but struck out 11. I mean, just unbelievable stuff out of Kopech. And any other week he'd probably have won. Um, but, man, the Kopech, when he's dealing, Vinny, is just unhittable. He really is, and I, I loved his start. I think he has Dylan C's potential because he could throw the ball harder, but he hasn't thrown the ball harder, so we'll see if he ever gets back to doing that again. He's more of a pitcher than he is a thrower these days. But when he first came up, he was a thrower throwing 101. It was fun to watch. You know, the fire little logo came up whenever he got a strikeout. Like, that that was fun, but, like, Kopech, he's really – He's really getting beyond that hump, I think. And once he gets to like 35, 40 major league starts, you're really going to see him start to take off. Right, Dylan Cease did right around that 35, 40 start mark. And that that's when the elite prospects that turn into elite pitchers really start to hit their stride. And Cease has, I believe, Kopech will. And listen, guys, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Lucas Giolito, too. He not, by no means is like a, a star of the week kind of player. But, man, he had that one bad three-run inning against the Tigers, and then he really locked it down from there. If I'm using Katz and Lucas Giolito, I'm looking at what Dylan sees this year, and I am focusing the entire upcoming offseason. Listen, do not trade Lucas Giolito for the same reason you don't trade Eloy Jimenez. You're not going to get perfect return value for them. You're not going to get anything worth it. You keep them knowing the talent that they have in there because when Lucas Giolito was on his game, Sixth and Cy Young, fifth and Cy Young, eleventh and Cy Young. Like he was incredible. You combine that with what Dylan Cease is doing. You combine that with what Michael Kopech is doing. You combine that with what Lance Lynn can do as a veteran. Like be a good number four was outstanding last year. He needs to develop a third pitch further, and that's what got Dylan Cease over the edge. He threw the knuckle curve a lot last year. He threw the fastball a lot last year. This year, the slider has been un. Hittable. If Lucas Giolito was able to develop a curveball or a slider to the degree that Cease has, and you combine that with his changeup, which is his best pitch, few pitchers work off a changeup like Lucas Giolito does, and he could throw really hard. The velocity's down this year. It makes me wonder if all that muscle everyone bragged about is harming him. Uh, you know, he needs to be more of a pitcher than a, a weightlifter. Like, I, I think with what Cease has done, Giolito can go to school on it, and quite frankly, so can Kopech. So, I think what's going on this year with the pitching has been really good to watch, and I'm glad we could talk about Dylan Cease in this manner. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing stuff we're seeing. Our, our pitching staff, uh, at least half of the time, more than half of the time, I feel like these guys are just absolutely dealing, and no pun intended, dealing Cease. But with that said, gents, we touched on a lot, but now we're going to touch on what's coming up later this week. Gonzo, tell us what that segment's called, please, pretty please. This is White Sox Weekly. 
Yeah, Gonzo. So we got a four game set with the Houston Astros, followed by a big series against the currently first place Cleveland Guardians. Gonzo, why don't you walk us through some of the pitching matchups and what we could potentially expect this week? Yeah, so this week, uh, start of the well, first four games will be at home um, versus Houston Astros. Tonight it began, and we already went through that matchup tonight. Um, and at the moment, it is two nothing Astros going to the bottom of the eighth. So hopefully the boys can rally here. Um, but going into tomorrow night's game, we have seen Verlander this year, and I don't think we saw what that outcome happened to be because we rubbed the boys. Up. The boys came up with quite the uh, plate approach and probably the only plate approach performances I've seen this season where they just took all of his off-speed off the outside going opposite field and stuck with that and battled with at-bats with him. And they beat up on him, like you said, Joe. And uh, like Benny was saying, this is one hell of a matchup tomorrow night. Verlander versus Dylan Cease. These are your... Cy Young, AL Cy Young contenders going at it with each other. Real quick, let me interject. White Sox fans, get out to the park. You can get a cheap ticket. Go see this game. I mean, it's it, it's it's like the matchup of the century. Go see it. Continue. Indeed, Joe. And um, that is my matchup of the series for these four games. I can't wait to watch it. I'm definitely going to have my, I'm going to have my eyes glued to this on my off day tomorrow from work. Um, but going to the game, game three on Wednesday, it's going to be Valdez versus Moist Michael. And we did talk a little bit about Moist Michael from his six innings of no hit ball um, from last week versus the Tigers. Hopefully, I, I'm sure with how competitive Michael is, he's going to be ready for this game versus Houston, and he's going to be just as competitive as always, piss himself for any mistakes that he makes. And I'm sure he's going to be on top of his game, and I can't wait for him to go up against Valdez because that's a nice matchup in itself as well. Um, and then game four on Thursday is going to be Garcia versus Giolito. Um, and like Vinny brought up um, earlier in the show, I think Vinny said I think it was three runs he gave up in that first and within the first couple innings, and then he settled down. Um, I think maybe it was four, but he went seven innings, battled and got the W. And Luke guess has been doing that quite often lately, just struggling in the first couple innings, and then settles down, gets into rhythm, and performs well. And to end wrap up the series. This is going to be a nice matchup for Lucas. Um, and Lucas, from what I can recall from the last two seasons, has had good performances versus Houston. Um, I think he had one shaky performance in, at Houston, but he also had one last season at home, too. I believe that it went really strong versus them. So hoping all the best that the boys can pull through here and continue to win a series. Um, it's going to be quite the test as we we're looking at tonight. Um, to keep an eye out for uh, Alvarez, who is betting 297 with 31 bombs and 74 ribbies. Let's He's just got... talk for a second about how damn good Alvarez is. Mm-hmm. They locked him up at the perfect time. I mean, am I the only guy in the league that thinks he could potentially be the best player in baseball? I mean, he's pretty damn close. He's getting there. I'm excited to see where he's going to be in two more years. Uh, 
he's just impossible to pitch to. Yeah, no, absolutely right there, Joe. And that <laughs> you got to think that they 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 let Correa walk with his offensive production, and to see a guy like Alvarez just step up to the plate and become a absolute phenomenon from the left side of the plate, um, just a beast. And yeah, it's hard to pitch to him because. Like he knows the scouting reports against him, and I mean, he's just a beast all over the plate. He can hit it anywhere in the ballpark, spray it anywhere. So yeah, Joe, he's a tough, a tough out in that order for sure. Um, and then series two to go to series two of this week is going to be on the road. Um, it's going to be three we're games. We're better series. on the road than we are at home. Yeah, <laughs> that's painful to hear. Sadly, but. Yes, um, three-game series this weekend. Um, game one Friday is likely to be Lance Lynn versus McKenzie. Um, McKenzie's been doing pretty solid for himself this season. Um, Lance is starting to get the engine warmed up and that beard is flowing, and hopefully uh, he can continue to eat some innings and get some outs for us um, to start off that series. Uh, game two Saturday is going to be the second start of Johnny Cueto this week versus Shane Bieber. That's the likely uh, matchup at the moment. Um, and then the ending series finale is going to be likely Dylan Seas versus Aaron Savali. And I kind of, if that it does match up to be what's going to go down, I kind of like seeing Seas go game three then up against Bieber because then you can potentially split the two games and hopefully you win the first game with Lance Lynn to win the series. Um, but isn't, to look it, isn't at, it so sad real quick? Isn't it so sad how we just rely on Dylan C's to be like, like the savior of this team right now. Like I love Dylan C's, but like every guy is going to get rubbed up now and then. And I just feel like we just are putting so much weight on his shoulders and he hasn't like, he hasn't wavered at all, but there's going to be a point where he's going to get knocked around a little bit and, you know, it just – I just feel so bad for him. I mean, I feel great that he's having a great year, but, like, somebody else has got to pick up the slack a little bit. I mean, come on. Yeah, like, to go with what you're saying, Joe, that's kind of, like, early on when he went through that stretch where he was only pitching, like – like, in June, it was, like, he'd go, like, five innings. at, And I think he only – he didn't give up any earned run in 36, I think, innings it was in that four, four, four or five starts there. But, like, from that moment – I was saying how he, he is the ace, and I, I felt confident about the, about that because you can rely on him um, when you're going through t- tough stretches where he's going to give you a great performance to give you a shot to win, if not win the, the game. And so often he, he's done that this season. Um, even before this 14-start stretch, I mean, this guy's just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the hitter. I'm just gonna wrap it up. Uh, the hitter to watch out for is, of course, Jose Ramirez. Uh, Welcome. At the moment, Put batting 281, 22 home runs, 94 ribbies, 94 ribbies, and we still have another month to go this season. So yeah, yeah, just walk him. That's that's one guy like Vinny. Tony is better. I've learned by now. If there's an open base and there's guys that are in scoring position. You gotta put Jose Ramirez on. Is Tony ever gonna learn his lesson? I don't want to rip on Tony again, but like, come on, Jose Ramirez has killed us enough all season long. I don't want to see it all weekend. Yeah, I mean, you're gonna. He, no matter who is your manager, 
You could have a bad manager like him, or you could have a good manager like, I don't know, uh, who's a good manager, whoever you think is a good manager. But it's it's one of those things like he's just going to knock everyone around. He's that good. I mean, he's going to have 120-plus RBIs. He's going to hit over 30 home runs. Like, he's just unbelievable. He's one of the best players in the league. He's probably the most underrated player in the league. You ask, like, ask a 7 out of 10 baseball fan, who are the five best players in baseball? And you're going to get Shohei Otani, Mike Trout, Aaron Judge, Ronald Acuna Jr., and maybe, like, you might get an occasional uh, Alvarez or, you know, guys like that. The PED. The PED. Yeah, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, Jose Ramirez is in that mix. I'm sorry to tell people. Definitely. He definitely is. He really is. And, oh, Juan Soto. I didn't even name, like, probably the best one of them all, literally. Juan Soto. And, like, Jose Ramirez deserves to be in that mix. So, yeah. It's, I, I'm with you. He's a, he's a pain in our butt, and I wish he wasn't in our division. But he's certainly a likable guy. He, uh, I just don't like he doesn't play for us. Um, with that said, boys, let's get to our um, pick to click. I want to say Gonzo won last, well, two weeks ago because he picked Vaughn. I carried over for the show we didn't do last week. I mean, Vaughn has just been unbelievable. Um, I had Kopech, which, you know, Honorable mention, like I said, but I got to give it to Vaughn. Vinny had Eloy, who had, who's who been great as well. He just he hasn't had the RBIs that Vaughn has had. It's, it's been close. A lot of good choices. And Zim took Pito. Um, so I'm just going to give it to Gonzo for his Vaughn choice. So, Gonzo, who are you going to go with for your pick to click this week? Um, Zim stole him in a recent week from me when I really wanted him. I'm going to go with my boy. The man with an amazing stash. The man that is on a route to win the Cy Young this season. I'm going to go with Dylan Cease. He's got two starts this week. And uh, this is his chance to prove it. I've said before, a chance to prove it because when, it? He didn't, when he didn't make the All-Star selection, he absolutely shoved it in two starts that week going to the All-Star game. And ever since, 14-game um, stretch here. Hopefully we can make it 15 games. I'm going to pray on it. Uh, starting tonight, I'm going to pray on it. And uh, and he has that second outing at the end of the week versus the Cleveland Guardians. And we saw what he did against Cleveland last time before the All-Star break. Um, so hopefully he can continue his dominant stretch. And Dylan Cease is my pick to click. I love it. And if something happened, I, I got to know what happened. Can I just make my pick to click? Yeah, please. <laughs> For the second week in a row, I am going to take <laughs> Mr. Eloy Jimenez, who just gave the White Sox a tie game by hitting a double with runners on second and third. What a player. I love this man. I was talking about him earlier in the show about how they cannot let this guy go. I know he gets hurt a lot. He's going to get hurt again. There's going to be stretches. He misses games. But when he is in the lineup, he is a game-breaking, fun-having, high-mom-saying kind of guy. We need Aloy Jimenez to keep coming through like that. He's my pick for the week. I hope he goes off. I mean, man, now Johnny Cueto can't lose. So that's like the best part about the whole thing for me because he went out there and shoved. 
I feel bad because Urquidy can't win now because he pitched just as amazing as Cueto. And wow, that was just an electrifying moment. Very, 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 very happy for Illoy. I love it, man. I love to see it late in the game. Let's uh, let's get a W here. I, I mean, if we can make oh, some statements here. I just want to say, oh, oh, oh. technically, still in line for the win if they get a lead here. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully, I mean, is there two? Nothing options? like the nothing like the king of optimism over there in Gonzo. <laughs> uh, he's he's right. Abreu Abreu's up to bat with Aloy on second. So if Abreu comes through, then yes, he will be in line for the lead. And unfortunately, or no, I think the reliever, the Houston reliever, would get the loss because Urquidy only gave up one of the two base runners that scored. Um, so Pollard. But yeah, I just wanted to not to cut Vinny off, but or cut you off either Joe, but I just wanted to bring that up because earlier in the show I said that like this guy Cueto never gets run support from us and I would love for him to have a performance like this and we give him a, the lead at the last second. That'd be nice. Oh yes. I'm texting Zim right now to make this pick, but I get to go next anyway. Um I'm gonna go with a guy who who's starting to turn it on again. I'm gonna go with Luis Robert. I feel like he's He's going to hit that stride this week and to put on a big performance. I feel good about it. So I'm going to ride with uh, La Pantera, Luis Robert, all the way. And if Zim doesn't answer me, and I'm, uh, he read it, so I'm sure he'll answer me in a second. But uh, we'll make a pick for him if he doesn't. But I think Luis Robert is, is going to turn it around now that his, now that his uh, lightheadedness and blurry vision is gone. Talk about scary incidents right there. I mean, that's nothing you ever want to hear about coming from – anybody uh, let alone a baseball player that's in center field all day long um yeah oh okay well that was easy uh you can probably guess who zim's going with zim is riding the train with pedo so he's gonna take jose Abreu. he said that was an easy choice for him i thought he's so, gonna take grand grando <laughs> i think he'd rather uh i think he'd rather chug a bottle of uh I was going to say Malort, but he would. He likes Malort. I don't know anybody that likes Malort, but he does. <laughs> Do you like Malort, Vinny? Um, I can handle a shot of it. Like, I don't like, yeah. But do you, but do you like it? Does anybody like it besides uh, No, I can never like drink it on the rocks or like enjoy it like that. No, I absolutely no. But I would probably say if a shot of Malort was in front of me, and a shot of tequila was in front of me after my experience last week in Nashville. And someone had like a gun to my head. If you don't take one of these two shots, I'm going to blow your head off. I would take the shot of Malort, I think. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind a shot of Malort, but I certainly don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. It tastes like orange peels, like if you were to chew them. Uh, that's one way to describe it. I, I think Malort is like, if you took flower petals and you put them in a bathtub and you soaked them in rubbing alcohol and then you then you filtered it through a garbage can, that's what Malort tastes like. All right. Maybe that's how they make it. <laughs> we should get the guys who make Malort on the show because they can tell us it's actually in it. Um, it's a very Chicago thing. But uh, nonetheless, Malort, you got to try it at least once. Oh, what a fun show. Um, I'm looking for the updated standings, but I, I simply cannot find them. I, I know God puts Gonzo back in the lead. Oh, here it is. 
No. Yes, it does. It does give Gonzo the lead officially now. So let's look at the updated pick-to-click standings. Vinny's got three. Gonzo's got five. Zim has four. And I'm riding in the last place with two. Um, so Gonzo continues to, I don't want to say dominate, but he's certainly in the lead right now. But uh, I do want to, I do, we do have a good debate question that I know we'll probably go too long on, but I think it's time. What, what, are, you, what are you laughing at, Gonzo? You know it's true. I'm just eager for it. <laughs> well, with that said, we're going to dive into this week's guaranteed take because you know Gonzo's eager for it. So here it is. Yeah, so we talked about this guy earlier in the show. He's been a hot topic for White Sox Twitter, White Sox fans. Um, you even got the national media starting to take notice. But the approach behind the plate by this White Sox team has been absolutely abysmal. Should Frank Medicino be fired? And if he is fired, would it actually help anything right now? Vin Parisi, Frank Medicino, should he be gone? Uh, I would fire him. I'm not sure it would help anything. I think... Um... It just seems like one of it's one of those years, right? Like sometimes you see teams. It happens in every sport. You see a team with lots of talent, lots of, and you know certain things just don't go well for you for that year, right? Like there was a year where Mookie Betts had a really bad year, right, and then he won the MVP the following year, and it was in between the two MVP years where he had like kind of a bad year, like so. And it just seems like every single thing that could have gone wrong with the White Sox offense so far this season did. I'm not sure if it's Frank Manichino's fault if they give him the can and then all of a sudden they start hitting it to Pluto again, then yeah, I'm going to say uh, it was obviously Frank Manichino. But, of course, um, Yoan Moncada just gave the White Sox the lead in the bottom of the eighth inning. Um, a two-run lead. Um, which I'm sure Frank Manichino is thrilled about that. If they are able to um, get back to hitting the way we know that they can, they led the league in home runs in 2019 and 2020, right? So, like, if they got back to that, then sure. I think they could easily blame it all on Menachino, but I would explore the option if it were me. Gonzo, Frank Menachino, let his head roll or keep the platter served? You know, this is where I kind of get to here with this whole Tony thing. We weren't saying anything about Tony a year ago when things were going good. The boys actually were winning. Very little, but this is what happens when you see a lot of underachieving going on by the players. And, yeah, I think you need to have a different approach here and spice things up here. And, yeah, I'd fire him. Will it do anything? Who knows? That's on the players. But at least, I, I like I said earlier, I, I want to see better approaches at the plate, and I need someone to get in their head to do so. Um, now, who that may be? Well, yeah, I mean, we talked about the AAA coach, who a lot of these guys on this roster has seen already. And, hey, if it's going to work, who knows? But I'd love to see a little change, a little spark. Change the whole approach from Jerry, because Jerry's been really loyal to his – his organization with the people under under him that he hires. So 
if you you know spice things up and get rid of Frank, it you know kind of shows a little accountability, and hopefully that will get the boys going because we need something too. Yeah, we certainly do. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm kind of somewhere in between. I I think Benakino is part of the problem, but I don't know if these guys can magically change their approach over halfway through the season. I would like to see if somebody's head roll, and if it's going to be anybody, I, I guess I'd prefer it be Manikino right now because that's the guy that you can point the finger at definitely 100%. So um, I, I'd probably give him the ax, but if they can somehow sweep the Astros, then I think his job is probably saved. But um, I will see what happens in that respect. But um, I would certainly like to see some different approaches at the plate because the first pitch swinging stuff has to end. I can't imagine Frank likes that, but – who knows? I don't. I don't know what Frank likes at this point because I can't tell, you know, what's good or bad from these guys. But what I saw at Mancata and what we're seeing out of Eloy, that's what I like to see. So if we get more of that, fine, Frank. You can stick around a little bit. I think the success of Chris Johnson in AAA might force the issue too. Frank Menachino did okay in AAA, but the White Sox also had a top five farm system. Actually, I believe going into one of the all-star breaks, they were the top one farm system after they traded for Jimenez and Cease. And, you know, so I don't know how much uh, credit Menachino deserves for that point in time. They had a bunch of elite talent. Um, Chris Johnson has helped Gavin Sheets, who was their ninth best prospect, earn a spot in the major leagues. And Lenin Sosa getting a chance because of how well he's played. Well, that really can't go much to Chris Johnson because that was double A, but you know, there are plenty of guys in AAA who are just having outstanding years offensively, and I would probably lean on giving him a chance. That would be my opinion. We'll see what they ultimately and, do. And Jake Jake Berger sung his praise as well on the show. So he sure did. You know, I, I think that speaks volumes, and I'd certainly like to see him get a shot. We know it's working for Jake in AAA right now. I know you can say it's AAA talent, but you know, Jake was doing it when he was up here too. So um, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> so. That, that we got through the guarantee take, it seems like we're all kind of aligned that we should probably get rid of Mankino. But, you know, they must not believe in this team right now and unless they can magically put it together. And then, because the only way that they would actually fire Mankino, I think, is if they actually believe this team could go anywhere to kind of spark that fire. Maybe that's just me being a pessimist, but they didn't make any deals at the deadline. They made one baby deal and they, they don't exactly show any confidence in the guys they have. So uh, if, if magically they turn things around, it's not because of Frank Manichino or anybody else. It's because these guys are finally waking up. But I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little too hypercritical. But um, as you can see earlier in the show, I was just kind of feeling that today. But I do want to touch on something fun before we get out of here. Um, so very exciting stuff, guys. You know, South Burbank men, we got invited to – a tasting at the ballpark this upcoming Thursday for some of the new menu items that are going to be available. I knocked over my microphone. That's nice. Um, some things that are going to be available starting this next homestand, the ballpark, which apparently they may be there already starting today. I'm not sure. Or they start Thursday, but um, we're going to highlight some of the new items and they're going to do a little sampling. And before we you know, get into that, we're going to, talk about what some of those new items are and we'll fo- we'll feature some of that on social media starting on Thursday um, and let you guys kind of see what you're excited about but 
you know, Gonzo, Vinny, out of these items here, the 35th Street pork chop sandwiches, barbecue parfaits, Euro nachos, chicken and waffle fries, bone of beef bites, roaming street style paletas cart. Anything out? Th- anything in there, Vinny, stand out to you as something you just want to try? Yeah, when I was in Nashville, shout out my Nashville people. We ate at a Euro truck every single night at 2 in the morning, and they made Euro fries. And if you have me on Instagram, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw the Euro fries. Um, I definitely have a picture of them somewhere. You can see them here. They're it's basically all, all the things. It's tzatziki on there, yeah. And instead oh, of a yeah. instead of a pita, they were French fries. So I'm interested to see what Euro nachos at Guaranteed Rayfield look like. And this guy, my guy in Nashville, I never caught his name. My guy in Nashville, he would take the tzatziki sauce and squeeze it like he never squeezed a bottle before in his whole life. And it was delicious, and I'm hoping these nachos live up to that type of expectation. My next visit to Guarantee Rate Field will be including some uh, Euro nachos. There is no doubt about that. I'm just curious about it because they have to be on top of, like, pita chips, right? I mean, I don't know. I'm curious. I I hope they're on top of nachos uh, chips because you have to have everything – about a euro, except for the pita. Like, I don't need pita chips. I don't need pita fries. I needed French fries, and it was a delectable combination. I need to try it on nachos. Now, I'm a nacho guy. I'm a cheese fry guy. Those are my two go-to appetizers at any restaurant I go to, and I cannot wait to try these. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what it entails. I'll make sure I post lots of photos on uh, on any all of our social media handles, but but uh, Gonzo, out of all these options, anything stand out to you? I want to go with all of them. Just oh, give me all of cop them. Cop out. <laughs> give me all. Of them. Um, I mean, yeah, pork chop sandwich. Oh my goodness! I want to know what's in this barbecue parfait section here that they got going. Gyro's not bad, like Vinny brought up. Chicken waffle fries. All right, we. I can jump on that. Um, I want to see what. I need, I need to hear more about this because, like, the Biona Beef Bites, like, what, what does that entail? I've had That's those. The thing, I've had those. They have them at select locations. They're, like, Italian beef arancinis. I don't know if you guys have ever had those, like the rice balls. The rice but imagine, ball. imagine them with, like, Italian beef stuff, like a, the meat, the uh, the cheese, and jarred. Like, that. that's what's in there. Really? Yeah. How are they? Do you like them? Fire. Fire. Okay. Big fire. I feel like that could be a good ballpark addition. Yeah. If you like jarred, those are for you. Okay. Hmm. Well, then I'm going to like them then. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I mean, those are some of the new options. It's uh, the premiere them this homestand and uh, more to come on that on Thursday. But to put, I think the one I'm most excited for is the Euro nachos because I love Euros like ridiculous. He said I, I could eat a bathtub full of tzatziki and, and euro meat, and I'd be happy. Um, so I'm excited to try that. But I'll report back on Thursday. But keeping it in line, you know, with the ballpark food, you know, I figured we could touch on what's something that you wish was available at the ballpark but currently isn't. Is there is there something that you would like that you'd be able to get your hands on that like you think you could say, hey, White Sox, if you put this in the park, it's going to be a gold mine. Uh, off the top of the cup. If you guys don't have one, I could start it. I think I'll just start it so I can give you guys an extra second. Did, did they but, ever go off of the whole Timmy Pasta 
idea. And no, they didn't. You can certainly go that way if you want, Gonzo. Yeah, I'm gonna throw that in the mix because I, I don't know how they couldn't have with how you know how successful. But ever since Jason dropped that, like that would have been such a great. Um, I know on social media with. they had they had this guy that specializes in making homemade pasta come out and he made it in the outfield and you know that was cool but they don't think I don't believe that they serve any I could totally be wrong here White Sox if I'm wrong uh, I can talk to you guys on Thursday but um, I don't think they serve pasta in the park uh, Gonzo is that what you're going to nominate here a certain kind of pasta so I'm going to nominate I don't know what exactly uh pasta i would roll with but uh i just want some sort of pasta option i think that'd be spectacular all right all right uh vinny maybe, give uh, a hot minute oh, go ahead. i was gonna say maybe vinny would help me out with this a good solid pasta selection from his italian slide give me something mm. to roll with vinny yeah if they had some kind of like fettuccine alfredo or if they did some kind of like vodka sauce that would be outstanding for sure I'd be all about the vodka sauce. I feel like you could screw up fettuccine. Possibly. There you go. Yeah, they could they could definitely be onto something there. You can have a themed stand and everything. TA's pasta stand or something like that. Or even know. like fried fried ravioli. Just something. something they actually like have fried ravioli in the park at the beggars. Believe it or not. Uh, I've never had them though. I I but I'm sure they're great. I mean, anything fried for the most part is good. Uh, Vinny, have you had a chance to stew on something you wish was available? Yeah, it would be a cop-out for me to say Euro fries, right? Because I would probably prefer Euro fries over Euro nachos, even though I'm super excited for Euro nachos, like 9 out of 10 excited for those. But uh, I think if they had like a really good – I know they have wings at the park, but they're barbecue, I believe. It would be really cool if they came up with some kind of like – buffalo chicken wings of some sort i know they have buffalo chicken fries in right field and they are magnificent they are so good but if they had some kind of like buffalo wing where i can like even if they're boneless so they're easy to eat in the park or you can do traditional because traditional tastes better usually um that that would probably be my pick because for the most part all my favorite foods are there pizza uh yeah um nachos fries uh my favorite thing there is still the cuban um I there got it go. one one or two too many times last year that I kind of like have been holding off on it a little bit this year, but I still love it. That's a good choice, man. Very, very, very good choice. I'm getting hungry now just thinking about it. But uh, with my pick, we talked about the Euro fries and the Euro nachos. Um, I'm going to go in line with that, like a pita kind of sandwich. Uh, I'm going to go with it's a two-part it's kind of a cheat but i'm gonna say actually like a euro sandwich like a full-on euro i wish you can get in the park you know in the pita with the tzatziki the onion the tomato boom and then secondly this would be the same stand you have some chicken shawarma with a little like of um like tahini on there you ever had tahini Vinny? Mm-hmm. um get a little bit of that maybe a little bit of olives on there man I love a good chicken shawarma, a little gyro. Yeah, and then you got yourself a theme stand. It could be like uh, from a, the Avengers, the little shawarma after after the festivities. So I think that you might know, be really fun to have shawarma. in the park. What's that? I don't know, but I want some. I don't know what the definition of shawarma is, but I, uh, every time I ever had it, they have like this amazing chicken 
on like a, a just a giant metal skewer roasting and juices and you just kind of trim it off and smash it up yeah i'm just imitating tony stark from the scene you're talking about oh when he's like when he's like lying there when he falls back in new york they go he goes you guys want to get some shawarma and i'm pretty sure it's steve rogers that goes what's shawarma and he goes i don't know but i want some or i don't know but i want to try it and then there's the post credit scene of them eating shawarma after they take care of loki there you go. And I looked up the definition of shawarma, just so you guys want to know. The definition is roasted meat, especially when cooked on a revolving spit and shaved for serving in sandwiches. So exactly what I just described moments ago. Literally. I'm in. We got, we, we got some good comments for things that people want in the park. Vinny, your mom said you want hot cookies. Ooh, I like a Mrs. Fields kind of scenario. I can, I, can, I can see that. Yep, especially for a playoff game or an April game when it's, you know, with negative a hot chocolate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love hot cookies. Chocolate and then, chip. Yeah. And then my dad says he'd like to see a schnitzel sandwich. They could call oh, it the twisted schnitzel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, for those of you who don't know what schnitzel is, it's basically, well, you can make anything schnitzel, but it's basically pounded out pork that's, you know, breaded and fried. Anything fried is add, good. So, add some spotzel to it. There you go. That might be a little messy to eat at the ballpark, but socks Game win. Over. The White Sox come back and defeat the Houston Astros by a final score of four to do two. Your winning pitcher is Johnny Cueto. Your losing pitcher is Rafael Montero, and the save goes to Mister Liam Hendricks. I believe. Rafael Montero got the blown hold in the blackout game last season, game three of the American League Division Series, when the Leary legend hit a three-run home run to give the White Sox the lead and the win. Man, what a perfect ending to the show. We talked about delicious food. We talked about new ballpark options. And then, boom, the White Sox come back. They beat the Astros. Johnny Cueto continues to be a stallion. He settles down after a rough first inning. And the boys, they beat one of the best teams in the American League. So let's keep it up, gentlemen. We've gotten to the tail end of the show. Uh, We talked about a lot of fun stuff tonight. had a great time just shooting the shit with you guys. But uh, before we get out of here, why don't we dive into the shout-out section of our show. Chris Gonzalez, I'll toss it to you first. What do you got? Yeah, um, this is going to be ooh, quite extensive one. Um, I need to shout out my girlfriend, Soraya, as I always do, but especially her. Um, last week when we canceled the show, literally within minutes of canceling it, um, I went to go pick up dinner real quick, and in the middle of that, got a call from her um, saying that she needed to be picked up because she got into a car accident. Um, I was, It was uh, – yeah, it was quite the week. Um just all over the place. Um, I'm just glad that it was a miracle that she got out of that with just bruises because um, the whole front end of the car was told total crushed. Oh my and, gosh. Um, yeah, thank God that she's okay. She's a okay. Um, nothing underlining happened at all since, and um, she's recovered well. Um, and we're just slowly getting on the other side of, of the upside of that with the financial part of that and. Um, but I'm just glad that in the end it's her well-being and her safety and her health is all good. Um, so 
So Definitely. yeah, I know there was a lot of prayers from the people that knew about it. So thank you all to for the prayers for her. Um, but I also want to uh, shout out. I think I shouted out last last time, but I want to shout out Ray the Barber again. Um, Ray tonight was the hero hero of the game at the Sox game tonight. He was in attendance. Was and, he really? Yeah. yeah oh no, Ray kidding. Was, um, I'm going to try to get the video of it. He shared it just a couple of minutes ago, but um, I want to get it hopefully so we can show it in the uh, show for next week. Um, but yeah, Ray was a hero of the game and such a great honorable man. He is well-deserved. Um, I have to shout out all veterans for making the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's Ray included. Um, well, now we know why the White Sox won tonight. It's because of Ray the Barber. Absolutely. His attendance. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, it was fun as always, boys. Um, can't wait till we get Zim back again and we can all get included on this. And uh, there's more fun to come here. And this is quite the stretch that we're about to go into here for the show. So season two has been a blast so far. It certainly has. It's been a wild ride and it's only going to get wilder, boys. Here we go. Uh, Vinny Parisi, what do you got for shout outs, my friend? Yeah, first of all, Gonzo, I'm happy to know that Soraya is okay. I hope everything Absolutely. goes well going forward. You know, that that's my main takeaway from that whole thing. I'm very happy she's okay. So my thoughts and prayers, and I hope everything works out at, at the end of the day. She's okay, and I'm happy to hear that. Um, my girlfriend, Katie, she celebrated her big 30th birthday last week. We had the big celebration in Nashville, and, you know, we came home. It was an outstanding time. She thought her birthday was over. Whoops, wrong surprise party on Saturday night. It was just an outstanding time. And I think all the people that came um, and really enjoyed themselves, I got to give a shout out to those people as well, because um, they helped put on a show for Katie and it was just a great time. Everybody, you know, it just warms my heart to watch other people love her the way I do. So it was a great time. Shout out to both of our parents as well, because without them, we would all have nothing, the two of us. So you know, great time, great weekend. Um, very, very, very fun. Love it, man. It looks like you had a great time. I saw some of those photos. Uh, that's awesome. I'm glad you guys I had a blast. I flipped a cake. I wasn't did supposed you? to. I, yeah, Katie told me I showed her up because I did it, and I, it, I landed it, but it was kind of like a half-eaten cake, so the balances were off a little bit. It wasn't the way you're supposed to typically do it, but – I enjoy. I kind of like that tradition. I think I'm going to try and keep that going. Flipping the cake. I think I could get it down. There you go, man. Well, you 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 have someone that can make cakes, and your brother. So you yeah, plenty of cakes to practice on. A flipping cake, exactly. There you go. Maybe he can. Maybe he can engineer the perfect flipping cake. You're onto yeah. something there. There's no way Joey Parisi's watching this right now though. Cause he's too much of a clown. And if he is watching, he would put something in the comment to shove it up my hoop and prove me wrong. I'm waiting for the inevitable funny comment from your mom to come through. But he's more country. He oh, okay, Gonzo. <laughs> you want to fucking praise Tony Larusa the way? You, okay, whatever. We got. Wanna, we got. Go for we it. We got both. You're wrong, we got but both. go for it. You talk about freaking country, Vinny versus Joey. That's where I drop the mitts, pal. We got both kinds, country and western. Wait, Vinny, Vinny, <laughs> I I don't have Joey snap 
I only saw like your end of it oh, on Snapchat. Okay. Yeah. I wish I would have seen his side because I, I, I would have got more of a kick out of it. I, I feel, feel like. bad for people who are friends with just one of us because there are probably people that are just friends with him too that are like, man, I wish I could see Vinny's snaps right now. But yeah. But yeah, yeah. like you kept saying how you're more country and I'm like, I don't see his snaps of him saying the same thing, vice versa. Yeah. You know what? While Joey was playing a hockey game, I was at Miranda Lambert's bar and he skipped nice. going to see Miranda Lambert at Chicago smoke out in favor of playing said hockey game. So he could have beaten me in the country duel on the final night and it just didn't happen for him. He was too busy playing the exact opposite of a country sport. The only part about hockey that's country is the Nashville predators. And I took a thousand pictures of the Nashville predators rank. I'm more country than Joey. End of story. Yeah. Mr. Carrie Underwood. Yes. He retired a while ago now. I know. Yeah. I know who you're uh, – Mike Fisher. Mike Fisher. Yes, Mike Fisher. Which, if she would have changed her name, she would have been Carrie Fisher, which is funny for Star Wars fans. Yeah, that's fun. Um, <laughs> well, anyway. That's a, good, that's a good one. What can I say? It's always fun. Uh, Mike Fisher is a great player. Um, but I'll get to Mike. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Least texted him. Least texted him. There's no way. There is no way he was in this chat. My mom texted him. Don't let him fool you. Yeah, he, he, he's an absolute clown. I will outcountry you any day of the week. You probably don't even know who Trace Adkins is. You probably don't even know who Miranda Lambert is. You probably don't even know who I'm running out of country people that I actually know his name. I'm way more country um... than you. Your mom says she didn't. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was someone else whose name will go unnamed on this show. But yeah, Katie. <laughs> I didn't say it. I didn't say it. It was Gonzo. I did say it. That's funny. It's all, Joey's it's all the fun. Muffin. He's a complete muffin. He is a muffin. I don't know. I don't exactly know what that means, but you know, muffins are delicious sometimes. Well, Joey told me today that (laughs) Joey told me today that if we got stuck in an elevator together, he would eat me. He would have no problem or or, like like if I if I died in the elevator of like starvation or thirst, he would have no problem eating me because why should both of us die? That was his logic. And he like he was being dead serious. Like I firmly believe him that he would do that. You know how messed up. That would make Joey mentally for the rest of his life if he <laughs> no, ate you. Here's the thing, Joe. I don't think it would. I don't think it would. Like you, you, you need to learn more about Joey. He he'd live the rest of his life knowing he saved himself. Like, yeah, he he would be proud. He'd be like, I saved myself. Vinny wasn't gonna make it either way. I lived. I'm smarter than him. I survival of the fittest, bitch. Well, look, Joey said he was too busy singing to Tim McGraw, but he was singing too, but it's the wrong grammar. So I'm confused yeah, what he's talking bad, about. Bad grammar, Joey, living in a tree. Yeah. Tim McGraw. You I'm not trying to make Tim fun McGraw of you, Joey. I just I was just trying to capitalize on the extra O. Yeah. Joey doesn't know anything about country. 
Look at look at us like derailing the 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 shout out section and getting the show to two hours. Yeah, Joe, get to um, your shout outs before Joey says something else stupid. It's it's all good. We'll just laugh about it. Uh, my shout outs are just going to continue to be usually the same, just a slightly different this week, a little bit. A huge shout out to my beautiful wife Catherine. Um, we are, as you guys know, and some of the viewers may or may not know, I'm currently moving from my home, uh, selling it in the near distant future, and uh, moving out to Michigan. So I'm going to be a Chicago boy rooting for the White Sox, living in Michigan. So a uh, shout out to my beautiful wife for, you know, moving back and forth with us. Uh, you know, all the help for everyone that's, you know, issued any, any little bit of, of encouragement. Um, it's been great. You know, I'm always, Illinois is always a part of my heart, but I know I'll, I'll be in, uh, I'll be in Michigan and back and forth and it's not that far of a drive. So I'll still be close. Um, so shout out to my beautiful wife for going on this voyage with me, our beautiful daughter, Audrey, who's going to be seven months next week, which is crazy. And uh, our great Dane Maverick. I know you're a little worked up because we're taking you from your only home we've ever known, but I promise you, you'll, you'll love your next home even more. So uh, shout out to uh, my whole little family unit there. I love you all. And shout out to everyone in the chat room for giving us great stuff tonight. Um. And of course, all my White Sox brothers in arms, Vinny, Gonzo, I, I love you guys like brothers. Zim, I love you too, man. Uh, I know you're out there doing, I don't know, like, I was going to think of something funny and I literally got nothing. So I know you're probably just chilling with the family at home. That's totally fine. Um, we'll have you back here in the near future. Also, shout out to last week's guest, which we had canceled the show. Um, Lon Pope, the Chicago Tribune, he got, his flight got delayed going into Kansas City, so he couldn't be with us. But he will be back with us on September 12th. So uh, I don't know if you guys can hear me or not right now. I think I'm coming through. So, yeah, yeah Lamond will be back on the show September 12th. So we're looking forward to having Lamond again. So shout out to him and to everyone else on the Barroom Network. Uh, I just realized I never ran our commercials for today, but it's probably not the best point to run them at the end of the show. Um, but you know, there's been weirder things that have happened. So if you stuck around this long, um, just remember to tune into their, the bear necessities, the bear, the bear debate. Um, man, there's so many shows in the network. You got the Mike North advantage. You got Dan and all the bear, their souls football season's coming up. So you've got bear football, you got Greg Gabriel, your fancy football goon coming up here soon. The next couple of weeks to get you ready for your fantasy, setting your lineups and your drafts. And uh, a couple of the guys in this on the show, the two ones that are here right now, actually all of the guys on the show are in the barroom league. And a couple of them, well, Zin, Gonzo is in my other league, the Goon League. So we got some we got some hard competition coming our way. And Gonzo is the two-time back-to-back champion in the Goon League. Um, but that's going to end this year. So that's all I got to say about that. But, gentlemen, it's been so much fun. Let's continue to beat the Astros. Let's have a great week of baseball. Let's go, White Sox. For the South Burb Sitmen, I'm Joe Mandel. That's Vinny Parisi. And over there, that's Chris Gonzalez. I can't figure out which direction is east and west. But we will see you guys next week. Let's go, White Sox. Let's get some dubs. And uh, it's time to roll those credits. We'll see you guys next week. Adios, muchachos.